Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Parents right now start using time-bound language. So this would be things like, I'm giving you the phone right now or the game or whatever because I need 20 minutes. And this in this example, I'm giving you this phone to do this. But next time, I might have a different activity for you. That's not a screen, right? And so then as a parent, we can make choices about when we give it and when we don't. Hey, thanks for listening to We're Momming today. If you're listening on a smart speaker or website, make sure to find me, Lauren Simonetti, on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And don't forget to leave me a review. today with Emily Churkin, the screen time consultant, to answer the age-old question, but the question every parent is asking right now, how much screen time is too much screen time? Emily, (laughs) thanks for joining us as the screen time consultant and a mom of two. What's the answer? (laughs) It's a million-dollar question, isn't it? Well, (laughs) um, the really unhelpful answer is that a lot of screen time is too much and a little bit is okay. And that's pretty... uh, not supportive of what parents want to hear. But the reality is it really varies from child to child and within families. And of course, we're in a pandemic with remote learning right now. So use of screens has really changed. So this this is the other million dollar question. Yeah. How much time are kids actually spending behind screens? Because, you know, I know there's, you know, online school, virtual school. So that's something. And then there's, you know, the games that they play or the FaceTime calls or what have you for socialization. I get that. But have we been able, since we got smacked with the pandemic almost a year ago, have we been able to quantify how much time they're actually behind a screen? You know, I think it's really tricky to quantify it because as most of us know, we often are multitasking when we're on a screen. So it's really hard to suss out, um, you know, a screen for a class versus a screen for gaming versus texting. I mean, kids are pretty savvy, but adults are guilty of this too, right? Where we might be in a meeting and we're still scrolling through Twitter on our phones, or we might be, you know, some kids are gaming during online classes and a teacher is not really going to be able to know that. Um, you know, from their vantage point in the quote unquote virtual classroom. So unfortunately, I think it's really hard to quantify because it's often multiple things happening at the same time. Um, We know that before the pandemic, kids, tweens were spending about five hours a day on screens for non-school related time and teens were spending seven hours or more. So it's already a number that is pretty high. Teenagers before the pandemic were spending nine hours a day behind screens, not seven. Seven hours. Mm -hmm. That's still a lot, though. It is, especially when you consider they were in school for eight hours a day and they hopefully slept a few hours a day, right? It's, it's, um, this is one of the biggest concerns about the excess amount of screen time. And to be clear, I always like to say I'm not anti technology, I am tech intentional, right? So that there's a, 
a balance between a little bit being okay and a lot being too much, right? So if a kid is going to displace certain activities in favor of screen time, for teens in particular, that's often sleep, right? You know, teens will stay up later and sacrifice sleep in order to do another activity. And of course, right now, that activities tend to be pretty heavily screen-based. So it was a problem before, but I think the pandemic has certainly exacerbated it. So as a mom of two, you have a nine and a 12-year-old. Yes. You are definitely in the TikTok, social media, Roblox um, <laughs> generation, if you will. So yeah. how concerned are you about what your kids are doing online? Well, you know, I always... I, I I try to bring some um, humility to this too, because it's hard for me as a parent, even though I'm the screen time lady, literally, like I, I mean, my kids love to point that out all the time, but I, <laughs> how so wait, it, give me an example. How oh so? my gosh. Well, you know, my, my daughter will like roll her eyes and say, well, that's just because you're the screen time lady. You know, you're just, you're just setting these. I mean, it's what kids always say. It's like, you're, you're the mean parent. You're the one who sets these limits. You're the one who has these rules. And this just does happen to be my, my thing. Right. So my kids are going to get heavy doses of my opinion about it. But, but, but that being said, you know, we as a family have just been having these conversations for a long time. I mean, this is something I've been interested in and concerned about since I was a classroom teacher. And so, you know, really the last five years as they've been kind of entering early and mid childhood, they're hearing about this. And so, you know, my kids do get some screen time, but it's it's limited and it's within our family's value system, you know, so we, we do talk about it a lot. And that being said, you know, my one of my kids in particular is a lot more sneaky about it, you know, so then we have to talk about like that, you know, what does that look like? And, and, and I, I'm going to be the first to say here that I, I fight with my kids about screens, too, you know, that I don't have this figured out, but I know there are things that we can do that can help them and can help us try to get to less of that conflict and less of that hand wringing and stress that comes with screen time. Okay, so as an expert, yeah. And you're limiting screen time within your family value system. Can you can you define what that looks like because you know I'm just, you know my kids my even my little guys too. I yeah. take the screen away from him. He goes yeah. ballistic. It's it, yeah. it's drugs. It is crack yeah. to a toddler. <laughs> my daughter's not so bad, but yeah. How do you, you know, so I can't like never give him a screen because sometimes I need him to have the screen because I need to do something and it kind of just works. It, you know, they, they do what yeah. they're supposed to do when they have it. How do you set the boundaries? What do you do in your house? Well, so a couple of things. I, As a former teacher, I really believe education about how the screens impact our brains and bodies is so important for us as parents to understand. And then we can help our kids understand it. Even little little kids can understand it. And for me, there's sort of two big pillar pieces, and I could talk for a long time about both of these, but one of them is executive function skill building, which is, you know, that prefrontal cortex part of our brain where we're constantly working on skills all the way up until our young adulthood, you know, planning, prioritizing, emotion regulation, organization, life skills, really, really important stuff that we all need. And then the second piece that I really um, talk more about than ever before, because it's so important and it's so related to those meltdowns of our kids that our kids are having when we take away the devices, is this idea of persuasive design. And it's a term that's been around for a while, but not really widespread. You know, there was a new documentary called The Social Dilemma on Netflix that sort of touched on this quite a bit. And other experts in this field have really been talking about it. And the thing to know about persuasive design is that 
the products, the devices, the apps, the games are all designed to hook and hold our attention because for the companies that create them, the longer our eyeballs are on them, the more money they make. And, you know, from a company perspective, that's what their goal is, right? And the thing that is, to me, absolutely unfair in this, I mean, it's not a fair fight, is that our two-year-olds and five-year-olds and nine-year-olds are getting hooked. Literally, their brain's neural pathways are firing these hormones when they play these games that are designed to manipulate their brain power. And, you know, to me, that is just horrifying that, you know, this is just happening when many parents aren't really fully aware that it's not willpower or weakness, you know, or a character flaw that our children are having these meltdowns is that it's that when we pull them away, we're interrupting that flow of feel good hormones that makes them want to stay on longer. And so that's a really tricky thing because then when we say, oh, well, you know, you can, I need to get something done, right? And I, I'm right there with you. I've done this too. You know, it feels like in the short term, it gives me that hour I need or that 20 minutes to go do something. But what's happening is we're creating a habit, right? That the kids are now expecting when mom needs to do something, I get a screen. And then we end up with that big fight afterwards, right? So then a lot of times parents just feel defeated, that it's just easier to give in and give it than to have the fight. And my goal is to really help encourage parents to say, I know those fights suck, but they're really important to have early and often, right? And I don't mean fight. Like I, ideally, we're trying to set those expectations up ahead of time to help prevent some of that. But um, we need to know that this is really an unfair fight when we're, we're struggling with that brain, um, you know, those really those feel good hormones that make these kids want to stay on longer. That was a long answer. <laughs> but, it's okay. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into it yes, uh, with some more questions when we're momming today. Continues right after this. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We're back on We're Mommy today with the Screen Time Consultant, Emily Cherkin. And um, you you say that, you know, there are those feel-good hormones that are created when children are on social media, watching mindless YouTube videos, playing mobile games when, when they're behind a screen. Yeah. So what would be the strategy? Because face it, we're in the middle of the pandemic, especially. Yes. So we're not taking away screens from our kids. But how do we manage the withdrawal, yeah. if you will? Yeah. Well, and, and I'll clarify too, it's not about no screen time. It's about limiting excessive screen time, right? So of course, if it's seven hours pre-pandemic for teens, like that's pretty excessive already. And of course the pandemic has probably made that worse. But that being said, I really, I definitely don't think it's just all about, this is so bad and terrible and we should just throw in the towel. There are things we can do. And I really believe in action oriented things. So I have three ideas. And one of them is for parents right now to start using time bound language. So this would be things like, I'm giving you the phone right now or the game or whatever, because I need 20 minutes. And this, in this example, I'm giving you this phone to do this. 
But next time I might have a different activity for you. That's not a screen, right? And so then as a parent, we can make choices about when we give it and when we don't, right? And there's lots of ideas about how you can entertain your child without a screen. And, you know, my, my colleague at Screen Free Parenting has wonderful suggestions about that. Um, so that would be one thing. The other thing might be to speak more broadly, and certainly older children will understand this, it's, you know, to say things like, right now in the pandemic, we're on our screens for work, we're on our screens for school. It's going to look different when we go back or when we go back to school or when we go back to our offices, like our screen use will change. And so you're setting that up now. You don't have to have an answer for what it will look like because many schools, I mean, people are all over the place with what their lives look like. So if we're setting up that expectation now, like we're front loading the language, we're going to have these conversations in the future. This is coming. You're giving your kids a heads up, right? That this is going to be something that will change. And so that's a really important first thing is using that time bound language. The second thing I really encourage parents to do is to live your life out loud. And this is a great way to build executive function skills. And it, and it feels kind of funny at first, but it's a great accountability thing for us as well. So it might be something like, I'm picking, picking up my phone right now to check a recipe that I wanted to look up to cook for dinner, or I'm looking at a map to see how I get to this place that we're going, or I'm texting you know, your friend's mom to find out what time soccer practice is. So anytime that we are reaching for our device, we're using, we're verbalizing what it is we're doing and how we're doing it. And what that does is it shows our kids that our devices are more than just an entertainment device or a work device, right? We use this as a tool for many, many, many different things, right? We, it's funny we call them phones when they're really so much more than a phone. And so few of us actually use them as a phone. So that living your life out loud is great because you are modeling how tech gets used and how to use it for different purposes. That being said, you can also model how it's stressing you out, how it's frustrating, how distracting it is. And that gives us our children vocabulary to talk about screens as all of those things, right? So that the entertainment aspect is there, but also hearing mom and dad say, oh, I'm so distracted, all these notifications that keep popping up when I'm trying to write, it gets in my way and it makes it hard to focus. Then kids can say, oh, I'm having trouble focusing too when I get all these, you know, they start to make these connections. And then finally, I really believe we have to teach our kids about persuasive design. I don't think we can parent in this digital age and not teach them about the fact that their brains are being hooked and hijacked. I think there is so much value in teaching them. And kids are naturally um, justice oriented, you know, and if we say to them, and you can even say this to your two-year-old, you know, your brain really likes it when you get to play on the iPad and your brain is going to have a really hard time when we turn it off. So we have to teach them that this is normal and, you know, help them see that that's going to happen. And then we have to build in time for that meltdown, right? And that requires some different parenting approaches, right? Like how do we you know, give them, do we, are we teaching them about taking deep breaths? A lot of time there's going to be that adrenaline rush. And so they might need to physically, like when they literally fall on the floor, having that meltdown, that's that release of adrenaline, right? Because yeah. they're all of those hormones. And so if we can let them go, you know, run around the block or jump up and down or do a, you know, ride their bike, something to get that physical exertion that can help dissipate some of the meltdown. Um, but we need to build in time for it and not be mad at our kids for having it, right? That's the hardest part of it. So <laughs> while your tips are beyond helpful, yeah. have have these always been your tips or have they changed as you realize we're living more 
with devices? Yeah. Well, they've changed certainly because technology has changed so rapidly. I mean, I, I, it's mind boggling to me that the iPad is barely a decade old, you know, and when it first came out, it really wasn't designed for children. So this was really only in the last five, six years that the amount of time kids have spent on screens has really gone up exponentially, you know, and there's a lot of different ways in which we use tech that's different too, like thinking about mobile, you know, the way we use mobile on the go so much more than we ever did, like watching videos, streaming videos, like that was something even five years ago, we weren't walking, standing in line at the grocery store watching a video, right? You know, like just all of how we've used it has changed so much. So I've changed some of the ways I talk about it. Plus, as I learn more, I realize I have to uh, adapt the advice I give. And to me <laughs> right now, that persuasive design element is not going away. It's very much a part of our lives and we have to address it. And I you know, I do think and wonder about, you know, the cigarette industry, right, With the, or the tobacco industry, you know, the, the sort of retroactive looking at the impact that that had on people, you know, is there going to be yeah. some later on some collateral from the from this excessive screen use, you know, our children yeah, and, are guinea pigs in many, many respects. And, 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 and the collateral damage from all of this beyond screens is, is a big TBD and honestly scares yeah. me more than a cigarette ever, ever could or would. Yeah. Final question. Robot. Right, yes. Yes. This, yes. Can, can you, exp can, can the screen oh, time God. consultant whose kids <laughs> probably play it truly explain it to me? Because I am oh. a financial news reporter and this company is about to go public and everybody's oh, talking God. about it. But like, oh, what exactly is it? Well, I, I have to admit, I, my kids hadn't done much of it until a few months ago, six months ago or something. I mean, it was during the pandemic. And I asked my 12 year old, I was like, okay, let's look it up together. Because part of this is, of course, is my job as a parent is to learn with them. You know, it's easy for me to judge it if I don't know it, <laughs> you know, so it, it helps to kind of get in there. And, and that's just another good piece of advice, by the way, is to, I always say, replace judgment with curiosity, you know, kind of asking your kids, well, what is it about this game that appeals to you? You know, and then you can tie that really easily into your family's values. Well, I don't, you know, the messaging here is not something that we like in this family. Like, how do we feel about you playing that game? So Roblox, I was um, very underwhelmed by it when I sat down. My understanding is that you sit down and you, um, you can choose from a lot of different games within it. And, um, some of them are, you know, amateur created and some of them are much more sort of high tech. I thought the, the, the graphics were really poor in the games that we played and it was very heavily consumer oriented, you know, like purchasing and acquiring and achieving um, in ways that I just found really off-putting. I, I think, you know, there are big ranges in quality of games. Sometimes it's worth spending a couple of dollars to buy a higher quality game that has less in-app advertising, for example. Um, you know, so like, for example, Minecraft is a big popular game. And, you know, my son and daughter both really play that. That's their, they like that one a lot. And I'm, I'm more okay with that. I don't love it. You know, it's not an every day, all day kind of thing, but they get to play that one. And that one, I'm, I feel like it's just a better quality game. So mm -hmm. but, I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think my, my question was, I, I was under the impression that with Roblox and one of the reason it, it's so addictive is, is that you can make your own game. And then invite your friends to play it. Am I totally off here? Yeah. No, I think there are elements of that. And I've worked with some families where I had I had a client whose 10-year-old was just really obsessed with creating. And then 
the problem was that he was getting taken advantage of within the game. And strangers were sort of tagging on and taking the stuff he was, you know, the coding okay. he was doing. And, you know, I, I hear a lot that, you know, these are 21st century skills. Our kids need <laughs> these skills. Well, well, it's true. And especially when you think of like the, the um, you know, Fortnite sort of games, there a lot of them are interactive. So, yeah, you're putting your teenager behind a screen, but he's like playing a game with friends he can't physically see right well, now. And so I push back a little bit on the 21st century skill thing. I mean, I think the last five years really is not representative of the 21st century, first of all, you know, like it's changed so quickly. But the other thing is, you know, and, and full disclosure here, my husband works in the tech industry. Like we have a lot of conversations at our house about this. And his biggest concern when he hires developers or engineers is, are they able to look me in the eye and have a conversation? What happens when they oh, What's the answer? What's the answer? That's like the, well, the biggest question I have. Exactly. And those are executive function skills. He wants them to be problem solvers, critical thinkers. And, you know, there's, I'm sure people are going to have, a, you know, there's a couple of things with gaming that you can build certain skills. I'm not saying that those things are, are impossible or non-existent, but primarily the way we build executive function skills is through human relationships, interactions with other people. And, you know, it doesn't come from a two-dimensional screen or, you know, the, just even the way we consume the devices, you know, like passive hunched over close to us, you know, it's just not conducive to relationships. And so, you know, I think, again, a little bit of that's not going to hurt most kids, but all kids are different. And what is more important is the social interactions. And again, with a big caveat right now, I understand that, you know, the pandemic is limiting our ability to do a lot of these things. And so we use that time bound language right now. This is what we're doing when we are able to be in person again. These are the things we're going to go back to. And simply by adding some of those activities back into our lives, we'll have to decrease some of the amount of screens we're using. Right. We just it's the displacement. There's only 24 hours in a day. I mean, that's my hope. Right. Like <laughs> I have to I have to have hope for that, because otherwise, I mean, I really worry I mean, I have a lot of concerns, of course, about screen time, but I worry a lot about the mental health, especially of tweens and teens right now, you know, and, and that the, the dark side is that, you know, being sucked into social media in the name of social connection doesn't necessarily increase your feelings of inclusiveness and connection. It can actually draw more attention to what you're missing, you know, that FOMO, right, fear of missing out. So I worry about that. You know, I, I think it's using tech to solve a problem tech has created in some ways, but also yes, true. it's just not meaningful relationships. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, parents always ask me, well, what about FaceTiming with grandma? Well, of course you're using the tool to maintain an existing connection, but it's a much more difficult to build a connection, you know, especially when you aren't seeing somebody, right? Like a lot of these interactive games, you're hearing voices you or te seeing text, but you're not, you have no idea who that person really is, you know, offline. So there, there's just a lot, you know, and again, the more that parents can balance out some of these experiences, you know, if they're getting some time on Roblox, great, make sure they're also getting outside and playing in free play and reading books, right? Like those are all just some really basic decades of research says those are great for optimal development, right? We know that. So the more we can push those, then there's just less time for the screen. That's my my thoughts. <laughs> Emily, thank you for wrapping You're it all so up welcome. for us. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. This was a, a great experience. Yeah. Help us get through. Thank you so much. Yes. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.